I could break into your house in the middle of the night, which I won't shake you and ask you, what's your best rate? And you're like, boom, you know exactly what the answer would be. Right. And yeah, I'd be like, oh, that's a great answer. And then, you know, I'd leave out the window. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You head out the window. It's so freeing. It really is freeing because now you don't really have to fear any question that comes out of left field or those daunting questions that, you know, it's inevitable that you're going to get that daunting question because you just don't have to think about it anymore. Any question that comes in good or bad or any scenario that comes in good or bad, you have that pre-programmed dynamite response and that's key. And it's a huge sort of brain power reliever when you're managing that you know 160 sort of transactions a year from start to finish it does take a lot of thought so the more mind power you can free up with pre-programmed scripts is awesome the most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers join your host scott peckford on i love mortgage brokering hey broker nation scott peckford here today on the show of andrew thake andrew's been in the mortgage business for 15 years based out of the ottawa region and we have three main topics that we discussed today on the show. The first one is, should you build a brokerage or just broker? So Andrew has built a successful mortgage practice, you know, originating loans and then decided, hey, maybe the next step should be for me to bring on agents, train them, take a piece of the action, as they say, and go from a salesperson to a manager. We dive into that question and Andrew's experiment with that. The second thing we talk about is how he funded 150 mortgages with no assistant, which is an insane number to me for a guy who seems like he's pretty organized. He's got a young family. And we actually dive into some very tactical advice for you on this in terms of how he's using Loom, how he's using you know, his file collection. At the end of it, I was like, man, there's some gold in there, Andrew. Really appreciate you taking the time with me. And then the last thing we talk about is how he has hired an assistant in the last three months and how that's changed his business. Some of his advice on training that assistant, on what he gets them to do and how he had an assistant in the past and how this time it's actually different and he's excited about it. So I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation with Andrew. I know I did. I picked up a lot of nuggets from my conversation and yeah, check this out. And thanks again for being a listener of the show. Hey, Andrew, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott, thanks for having me. So I'm excited to have you chat. We've got three big questions for you today that we'll jump into. But before we do, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mortgage business. Yeah, so I'm 39 years old, three kids. My littlest one just turned two this weekend, so that was fun. You know, cake and balloons, and she was happy as can be. Went to university in Halifax, took commerce there. Grew up in the Thousand Islands area, which is just awesome, right on the water there. And then located in Ottawa now. Yeah, how we got into mortgages is kind of a funny story, and I'll try and keep it a little shorter. But basically, graduated, got a job for top five banks. Out of all the financial products you could touch and be exposed to, mortgages were the best one because clients were excited to see you and they were excited to bring you documents for, you know, the insurance side of it or the financial planning side of it. You were more on the taking side. You know, people would have to pay money for insurance and they would have to give up their income for investment. So it was hard to get people to, you know, ramp up that RSP by 500 bucks or this or that. But when a client would come to talk about a mortgage, you know, you were never having to chase them for a document or a signature. They just come in with their pay stubs ready to go, smiling from ear to ear. So I always loved that. I felt like I was sort of the financial Santa Claus because I could just give all day. Mm-hmm. on those products. So I like that. So then I, a couple of years into that, I moved to a mobile mortgage specialist role at another top five bank in Canada. It was a bit of a transition. And I was a little worried at the start, you know, you definitely get into that salary-based mentality and anything outside of that can be fearful. So I just would talk myself into, you know, I only have to do X amount of mortgages per year to make what I'd be making at the bank in this role. So once I just sort of accepted that, the move was easy. But even in between that transition, If it wasn't for my lucky break, I call it, which is I was actually skiing and I broke my collarbone and I was laid up for about eight weeks. And after, you know, five or six weeks, you start to feel, you know, a little down and reflecting a lot of stuff and just 
pulled out the old laptop and started to search jobs. And this mobile mortgage specialist job popped up and I was sort of out the door in a couple of weeks into that role. I think if I actually hadn't broken my collarbone, I'm not actually sure where I'd be. You know, Interesting. Somebody week. how these deflection points in life happen that they're not like they weren't planned. It was just like, oh, I'm going to go in this direction. And now you have this thriving mortgage career because of a broken collarbone. That's <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's so funny how it goes like that. Right. So you went mobile mortgage specialist and then how long ago did you get into being a mortgage broker? Like an independent? Yeah, a couple of years as mobile mortgage specialist. It went really well. I was national rookie of the year my first year there at the bank. So just a couple of years into that. And then I think the next natural progression is the mortgage broker side. So, you know, the mobile side for a couple of years and then have been doing the broker side ever since. Right. Okay. So the first big question I wanted to ask you about, and this is something you've had some experience with is should you build a brokerage? So become a manager, bring on a team, you know, help them be successful or should you broker? And what's been your experience with that? Yeah, absolutely. Good question. You know, because when I started the mortgage broker world, I was a few years in and just always wondering about, you know, should I start a team? What is the progression from there? You know, do you just do frontline sales your whole life or do you grow a team, become a manager? And there's other, you know, really successful people in our city who are doing that and, you know, in all cities. I thought, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, grow this team. And so it was like a team under the brokerage. So, you know, it wasn't my own brokerage or anything like that. So I just basically started a team and it was just, everyone seemed to know someone who was ready for a new change of pace. And because I was doing quite well, I think a lot of people were seeing that and were attracted to that and just thought that that would be a great opportunity for them to try something new, that there was a, you know, a higher level of success compared to what they were doing. So, you know, within the first year, 10 or 12 people in through the door, I don't think any of them had mortgage experience. So that was a big, you know, big undertaking, some amazing people, some of them are still in the industry today and doing quite well. But what I found through that is I just love the sales side of things. I love the client interactions. I love, you know, designing the files, putting them together, you know, connecting with the realtors, you know, the lead generating. And that was a bit more of my cup of tea. So it was actually good that I was able to do that at a young age, because I think if I was to do that, you know, in the midway through my career, it would have been more challenging to rebound from that, you know, an ability to transition back to just doing the frontline sales myself. And that's just a bit more of my, my flavor. So it was really good to have that learning experience and actually just to solidify within me that, you know, being on the sales side of the mortgage broker world is great, as opposed to even, you know, having that what if I should have ever started a team, you know, it was nice to be able to, to kind of get that out of the way early. Get that out of your system. Yeah. Some people seem to think that the natural progression is to go from producer to manager, but they're actually totally different roles, different nine to five and even different skill sets. And so just, I'm curious when you took this on, you're obviously doing pretty well as a producer, did it affect your production at all? Or was your production the same or what did you notice? Good question. So I had actually just transitioned right out of sales and I was introducing the mortgage agents to my realtors, to my referral sources. And, oh, I and see. You're, so you were doing no stop. production at all. Exactly. Yeah. So that was a huge change of pace. So then all of a sudden, you know, everything in your world relies off their success. So that was a lot of pressure as well. You know, it really helped me solidify if I was to grow a team again, you know, how I would go about it. But yeah, I completely got out of sales and just went into, I would say, a full-on management and just brought the leads over to the reps. Okay. So then the follow-up question to that is how did that affect your income? So if you look at the year you know, previous when you were just producing versus... Oh, it was a deep dive. Yeah. It was, like what, uh, you know, percent, I'm not going to ask dollar sure. what percentage would you see was the slide? Like uh, 50 or 60% cut right. maybe. Yeah. I think when people, you know, when you hear this, not to discourage anybody from becoming a manager of, you know, brokers, but one thing I actually respect that you did is you actually stopped producing because to do it well, like I always say, you can't fly two planes. As soon as you're flying the one, the producing plane, the other one's like going beep, 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 beep. And then you run over and you grab the manager plane and the other one's going down. And so you're always going back and forth and it's a rare person who can do both. And I think at some point there always comes a decision where what's plane are you going to fly? But you actually said, no, no, I'm actually going to go with this 
you know, I'm going to let the other thing go down. And so interesting, but you were able to recover from that because the other thing is, is that so how was the next following year after this experiment, you know, in terms of your production and your income once you went back to just producing? Yeah, you know what, it was a bit of, um, I wouldn't say a blessing in disguise, but it was a good new chapter because I actually had, I think, the largest sales year of my career the next year out of that. So I just came back guns a blazing. Right. And sometimes, as they say, when you teach, you learn twice. So teaching other people probably helped you really formulate your own, you know, how you do your business. And so there is a benefit to being a coach if it's not your you know, full-time job. So that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So what would your advice be to somebody who's considering doing that? I would say think of the long game and, you know, don't just completely stop one before you start the other, maybe hire or bring in one person still maintaining your, you know, day-to-day -day role, you know, get them up and running, have them more of a job shadowing perspective and then, you know, having them go out on their own and then just slowly doing it. I would definitely was focused on the short game. And I think if I was to do that again, which I wouldn't, but if I was to do that again, I would just slow it down and try to attract people who had some more exposure to the financial world prior to that coming in, as opposed to people who were perhaps new to commission-based and new to mortgages and new, new, new. I think having some banking experience under the belt or whatnot would have been a, you know, an asset as well. That would have been a good thing. Okay. So the next thing I want to ask you about is you did the 150 files with no assistant. So tell me about that, because that to me is a lot of files and you seem like normal. I can tell by looking at you have all your hair. So like, what did you learn from getting to that level of volume with no assistant? Jim Rohn says, and this is not an exact quote, but you know, if you want to make a million dollars, it's not the making million dollars, it's who you have to become to make that million dollars. You know, to do all those files, it's who do you have to become, what do you have to do? You can't just show up and do all of those. So big undertaking. And all at the same time, my spouse and I wanted to be traveling, you know, eight weeks or so a year and three kids at home and also being there evenings and weekends for the kids. So just doing that much volume is one thing, but doing that much volume and trying to have some work-life balance and being able to travel and whatnot, I think was a bit of another thing. Now through COVID, obviously there wasn't as much travel. So that allowed me to be a bit more focused as well through it all. But, you know, it's all about efficiencies. If you just don't accept the idea that you need an assistant, you have to just find a more efficient way to do something. And I had right. an assistant probably for, I don't know, like five to 10 years before. And actually when I transitioned out of that, I was the most calmest I'd ever been in my business. And the assistant was just a wonderful, phenomenal person and such a hard worker, but I really thrive off knowing where everything is on every single file. And to have sort of two people working on a file, well, you get the documents and I'll do this and then I'll sign and then you send it to the lender. I always felt like I wasn't quite sure where the files were and perhaps it wasn't because I had, you know, the proper Scott training on the mortgage journeys and stuff like that. But I actually had found an assistant more stressful in my business. Right. Okay. Because, oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So you found it more stressful. So then you're right. If you're doing 150 files, you have to have an efficiency. So can you think of an example of something that you had to make more efficient or process or something that the more you've tooled with, you're like, I can make this more efficient just from a practical perspective. So somebody hearing this can go, oh, that's a good idea. Absolutely. And that was an all day, every day activity, because the second you hit a roadblock, you couldn't just accept that unless you want to work another hour, you just have to find a way to do it more efficient. So a lot of technology that's out there today is a huge help, you know, like Finmo for the application intake and document intake, you know, introducing Loom videos recently for client communication has just been phenomenal. Okay, so how has your client's adoption been of Finmo and, you know, having them send you documents digitally versus, you know, the old school way of email? Through all of this as well, just a side note, like through COVID, there was also the adjustment of not meeting clients in person mm -hmm. and having to do everything virtual. So that was a right. big change as well, because I had to adapt. Did you meet all these clients face-to-face -face often? Yeah, I would always sign with clients in person. 
we'd go get a coffee together and stuff like that and sometimes even have a welcome meeting and whatnot so that was completely eliminated you know trying to create almost like a realtor's buyer presentation virtually and stuff like that was a transition but getting back to the finmo intake and yeah i was gonna ask about finmo and loom you said two things there i want to ask about so finmo how did you find client adoption as well as your own process adoption using digital document collection finmo i was hooked from the start because I think the very first client or two, I sent them the link. And for the first time in my career, the application came in and full documents came in within 24 hours. And I was just like blown away, blown You're away. Like, what the heck me. is this? How is this yeah. possible? Right. How is this possible? I fight for weeks, you know, on end to get documents for clients. So I was hooked from the start. And that alone, you know, if you're doing dozens of changes to your business like that all the time. I mean, that alone has just shaved hours, if not weeks off a year of work as a collective. So the Finmo was amazing. And the fact that it's just this all in one and has the smart AI and it can just, you know, know what documents are needed based on the answers the client fills in. Because there's other systems that have automation, but you have to actually go in and look at the application and then trigger the checklist and send it out. And then it'll sort of do its work after that. But that smart tech, that sort of AI that's built into Finmo is phenomenal. Okay. And then tell me about Loom. How are you applying Loom in your process to make it more efficient? Well, Loom was thanks to you. I, you know, I heard you talking, I think about Boom Boom and things like that. Was that a video? Bomb Bomb. Yeah. Bomb Bomb. Bomb Bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Boom Boom might be their competitor. (laughs) Get that domain if you're listening to this. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So something that you were chatting about had triggered that. And it started off with actually a way to train my new assistant. Because in COVID, we're not actually, she's not even in the same city. How does she sit beside me and see my screen without doing that? So Loom was awesome because, you know, I would just do compliance and record myself doing it and see the documents and point and click. And here's where you log in and then just send that video. And now every single time there's an activity that I need done, you know, add this name to the database, click here, log in, here's my login ID, add this name, put it in here. We basically just only talk through Loom, which has been revolutionary, absolutely revolutionary. But now with clients, I think one of the biggest challenges that I've always had is you get an approval from a lender. There's the conditions that the lender needs, you know, that one more paste of that bank statement's missing a name. And then you call the client, especially now during COVID, you call them and you're trying to explain to them how their bank statement doesn't line up but they're at work or wherever. So now it's amazing. I can pull up a sample of the document, how I want it to look, like another client with the names whited out. I can pull up what they sent me. I can pull up even a guide just to remind them that I do have this guide to help navigate through it and say, you know, as per the guide, you can see the document needs your name. Here's a sample of what we're looking for. Here's what you sent. If there's a way to get this, you know, log into the bank website or at least go to a bank tutorial on it and say, you know, here you can, you know, get that online because many people say, oh, my bank doesn't offer that or whatnot. So you could just, you know, alleviate any, sort of rebuttals or pushback on it. And I had a client just as I was on the cusp of introducing Loom, and they must have sent me the same document four or five times. I did Loom. The documents came in perfect right then and there, and I was hooked. You know what the thing you're doing there, there's this concept in NLP, show, don't tell. If you show them, it's way easier to understand. I just tell them, hey, I need this document from you. Let me show you what I need and why it's not working. There's another level of comprehension that you get, right? So that's fantastic. Actually, I'm really glad I asked that question. I didn't know you were going to tell me this because The Loom thing that I shared with you was the signing packages I talked about. And then you've obviously taken that to a whole other level, which is what you guys tend to do all the time. Now it's almost like an addiction. I really only talk to my assistant through Loom and I only talk to my clients through Loom. The nice thing is, is you know when they've seen it. Because if you leave a voicemail, you don't know if they got it or not, or an email, it could have gone to junk folder. So with Loom, you can see if they've seen it. Plus, it takes a long time to type recap notes. So when I'm done a call with a client, I just do a Loom video recap, send it to them. And the nice thing is, is a week or two later, I can actually go back and watch that video. And I know the split second of where we left off without having to read a single email. How long are those videos, usually those recap videos? Just 30 seconds to a minute. 
you know, right. great chatting with you. As we talked about, you're going to send your pay stub as soon as it's oh, available. Yeah, yeah. You know, here's the Finmo portal. As soon as you're ready, click here, click here, and you can upload it. I walk them through all of the next steps. So it's just a slam dunk. Dude, I had my traditional questions. You started talking to me. And when you said to me, you did 150 files of no assistant, I knew there was gold in there. And there's the gold. Like people listen to this are going to be like, <laughs> people's brains are going to explode when they think about how they can apply this. So that's fantastic. All right. So the last thing I want to ask you about is now that you've got an assistant, what has that done for your business, I guess? Upon hiring, I completely reversed what I was going to have the assistant do. I was going to have the assistant do the mortgage journey, you know, maybe the welcome call, and then I do this and I do that. And I sort of parallel it to, and this is kind of silly, but if I had orchards and apples was my business, you know, right now I would be going up, grabbing the apple, bring it down, washing it, putting the little foil thing on, putting it in the basket, you know, bring it to market. And what I want to be doing is just going up the ladder, grabbing the apples, and I need to hand it to someone. But the problem is I found with the mortgage journey, if they do the welcome call and then I do the mortgage discovery call and then they get the documents, you know, back and forth, back and forth five different times, I have trouble keeping track of where everything is in that scenario. And there's probably ways where it could all be, you know, into systems yeah. and stuff, but that takes a lot of time to read where everyone left off with a file. What I said is I'm just going to go grab apples and then they can wash them, they can package them, they can put them in the basket. But if we're both trying to cross each other on the ladder, you know, did you get that side of the tree? You know, right. the, what about that bruised apple in the back? So it just kind of solidifies it in my mind. It's a bit of a silly analogy, but the idea is. I live in apple country, have, man. There's all kinds of orchards here. So <laughs> there you go. I, I, love, apples I love on the mind. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. So the way I flip the scales with this is not doing any client items whatsoever. And I have this list of over 100, you know, ideas that I want to bring to the business, like even the simplest things like calling clients, you know, two weeks after closing and asking them, you know, how the move went. Well, unless that's actually booked in your calendar with their number next to it, that just never happens to, you know, have a ping, you know, come up, well, let alone remembering all of those people. So now getting the assistant to do all of the things that I've ever wanted to do in my business, you know, adding these clients to social media, adding these clients to a newsletter, responding to answers on the newsletter, to, you know, booking birthday calls, anniversary calls, you know, two days, two weeks, two months after closing calls in my calendar with a phone number next to it. So when I sit down at my desk, there's like the five calls, you know, three birthdays, two renewals and stuff. I always have trouble getting around to renewals. I know they're so important, but they're on the back burner just because right. it does involve sitting, getting on the phone, going through and actually seeing, you know, did they still own the house? You know, did that interaction five years ago go well, or was that, you know, one that didn't go very well? And perhaps, you know, it's best we just let it sit. But having someone do nothing but get to all of those activities in the business that I never had a chance to get to. So that 100, you know, thing list of my dream ideas, now just chipping away at that. And what's happened now is I feel so much, you know, confident and more comfortable in my business because all of those foundation items, all of those 10% in the back of your mind rattling around for years items, you know, it's like the clothes stacked up. Like now the clothes are all ironed and put in the closet perfectly. So the foundation is getting stronger and stronger because of the renewal calls, the closing calls, the birthday calls. Now getting And so they're doing those calls for you or they're just putting them in your calendar for you to do? Just for now, booking them in my calendar. We'll see how that goes. But yeah. well, we're booking them in a joint calendar. So if it does get overwhelming, then they'll have it in their calendar and mine. So they're doing yeah. a double Sort of booking. I guess because I have this wonderful person doing so many things, it's hard to just isolate on the one or two things. So now what's happened is, you know, I'm still going forward doing everything that I did. They're doing all of the, I guess we'll call them lead generating ideas. And now that's almost created a bit of an explosion because, you know, three months later, I'm having to bring on another assistant because even though the momentum hasn't completely like speeding locomotive took off yet, 
I can see it bubbling under the system and I need to be ready for it. So yeah, right. three months in and I'm already going to bring on another assistant just because I'm almost addicted to having all of those activities that you've ever wanted done. It's like having someone come in your house and being like, hang that up, put that away, organize that, put all, you know, all the items. It's like we hired a housekeeper a little while ago and that's what it's like. You come, you're like, your laundry's done, your stuff is like, you're like, holy, this has been amazing. Like, you know, not just cleaning, but like the extra, hey, the deck needs to be cleaned that, you know, you're not going to get to and it's done. You know, just all these yeah, random so tasks. Like there's so. nothing piling up in my business now. And that feels so good. And you feel so much more free and airy and you can just bring on more knowing that and it's all automated. So now it's all pipe drive, too. So it's not like here's 10,000 activities, you know, good luck. Now, as we move the client through the thing, it's, you know, at this stage, they not only get you know, the standard item, but now they get added to social media. And at this stage, now mm -hmm. they get booked into my calendar for the birthday call. And we've completely automated it as well, which is nice. Right. So let me ask you this. You came into our program, you took their customer journey training. What was sort of your biggest takeaway from that? Or what was the most helpful part about getting a customer journey dialed in before you added this team member? When I knew I was bringing on someone, I actually took post-it notes and I must've had my whole wall covered with post-it notes. It's really hard to actually get your entire customer journey on in writing screen. from start to yeah, finish. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on one screen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've never even mapped out the customer journey. It's all in my mind, but I've never actually had to put it into writing and then highlighting who does what. And that activity alone was overwhelming enough. Okay, well, you'll do these three post-it notes and I'll do these 10 post-it notes. And then if this post-it note gets done, then I'll do that post-it note. That was so overwhelming. Oh my gosh. And you almost fear bringing on an assistant because adding that much chaos into the business when you do have to be so efficient with every minute is tough. So the nice thing is, is now I can just keep going forward, doing my thing, and they can just be doing all of these extra items. And now I'm slowly injecting her into a bit more, like check this document out, you know, send this signed commitment to the lender. So now I'm able to turn the dial up a bit on a bit more of the client items, which is helping. How helpful was it to have a customer journey mapped out before you hired somebody? Having that customer journey mapped out is amazing actually, because there's so much clarity. It was funny where you're saying setting it all on one screen, Dell and some other ones make this 49 inch wide monitor. And I actually went and got one so that I could put my whole pipe drive across the screen. Oh, really? And it's That's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. And, and so every column is not like one inch wide. Now every column is like three or four inches wide. So I have this massive screen just beside me on my wall here, where it's every single client in the whole journey from start to finish. And having that visual of where everyone was, especially pre-approvals. You know, you do pre-approvals and you add them to a newsletter and then you just hope for the best, but now they're all there. So when there's a stress test change or something like that, I can actually just grab that whole column now. So having everyone mapped out in that is phenomenal. If really just so that I can keep track of everyone, but then also injecting things into that customer journey is nice because once it's mapped out, you can tweak it and you can add and you can subtract. Like when someone gets dragged and dropped to this, drip campaign or when someone gets, you know, the files closed, maybe booking their birthdays in my calendar. So having that customer journey mapped out was of huge value so that I could visually see where everyone was. I mean, that's the given, but also so I could amplify and maximize the customer journey. And without having the customer journey mapped out, I can't amplify it. So it was nice. Right, nowadays. right. I always think of like a recipe for how you want to do your loans. If you're making burgers, it's your recipe and you've got it dialed in. And the fact that you're still the person at the front of the restaurant doesn't matter, dude. Like there's plenty of ways to do the business. It's more about just having a plan for how you're going to do it. And now you know that the back end of your restaurant is going to be taken care of all the things that you had meaning to get to, right? You're like, hey, somebody else is going to do it. Not only what they're going to do, but when, because that's also important. It's not enough just, hey, I would like them to do this, but when are they going to do it? You really do need to dial that in if you want to have a great customer experience and a repeatable process.
that restaurant analogy is an awesome one. It really hits the nail with the hammer because, you know, if I'm on the front line serving up the burgers, someone is behind the scenes, you know, making sure the orders are in, making sure the inventory is done, you know, the sinks and the grills and as opposed mm-hmm. to me just running around doing all of it. So the nice thing is, is instead of us both trying to front line a little bit, they're just taking care of all of that business. And then as that grows, you know, bringing in a bit more frontline assistance as time progresses there. Right. So in terms of you came into our program, what would you say was the most helpful part for you, for your business? That's a tough one. You know, I knew that question was coming, so I was trying to think about it. And the problem is, you know, and you didn't pay me to say this, but there's so much great value in the program that it's really hard to isolate one because it's like every piece of the pizza tastes as good as the last. Like it's all of awesome value and each one sort of expands on the rest. So, you know, if you only took one section of your course, each one sort of leads into the next. So I think one of the biggest things I'll talk about, like what lately I'm on a bit of a high from is the scripting, really diving into the scripting. It's amazing. For the last 15 years, you can answer the same questions. So the challenge is, is if every single time someone says, hey, what's your best rate? If every single time you have to sort of stop, think of that answer in a creative sales way where you're adding value and, you know, enticing them to work with you and you're, you know, protecting the lead and all of that, you know, it's just that much mental capacity over and over and over times 50 questions a day. Right. So to be able to just have that scripted answer where you're not, you know, a salesperson reading off a piece of paper, scripted more in the sense that, you know, you're an actor or an actress on stage giving this great performance and you just know your lines. So that has been just a really amazing freeing moment now because I, no matter like what question comes at me, and it's usually the questions that you don't like answering. Now I have this instant pre-program response that is like a slam dunk, you know, no one's ever explained that to me before answer where sometimes, you know, you're so tongue twisted in your response, you don't hit that slam dunk answer. Right. So now yeah. just having that one tried and true every time is amazing. Yeah. And I think that actor in a play is a great way to think of it because like when they go off script, like if you're in a play and somebody says something wrong, if you know your lines really well, you can pivot with it. If you're reading it, you're screwed. If you only know what to say when they say their lines, you say yours by having it so internalized. We always say with scripting, memorize, internalize and customize. So you have to memorize it first and internalize it so it's your own words. And then eventually you create your own language around it. That's something you could just literally, I could break into your house in the middle of the night, which I won't shake you and ask you, what's your best rate? And you're like, boom, you know exactly what the answer would be. Right. And yeah, and I'd be like, oh, that's a great answer. And then, you know, I'd leave out the window. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You head out the window. It's so freeing. It really is freeing because now you don't really have to fear any question that comes out of left field or those daunting questions that, you know, it's inevitable that you're going to get that daunting question because you just don't have to think about it anymore. Any question that comes in good or bad or any scenario that comes in good or bad, you have that pre-programmed dynamite response and that's key. And it's a huge sort of brain power reliever. When you're managing that, you know, 160 sort of transactions a year from start to finish, it does take a lot of thought. So the more mind power you can free up with pre-programmed scripts is awesome. Yeah. The more bandwidth. That's awesome. Okay. Andrew, this has been a great conversation. We went all over the place with it. I think it's great. I'm excited about what you're doing with your business, your new assistant. When is the new person starting or have you found somebody yet? Interviews are tomorrow. So hopefully over the next few weeks, if there's a great candidate, you know, I'm like so high on what the first person is doing. I can't even imagine what adding another one is going to do. It's like another engine. You're a V6 and you just added two more cylinders. Now you're going to 10. You know, that's what I feel like it what comes when you get great people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm only three months in with the current person. And I would say it's almost like revolutionized my business. It's just amazing. But coming at it from such a different angle, not just saying, okay, now you're document only, you know, you're on income and down payment. That actually, I think, would slow it down and make me fear bringing on an assistant because there's the training 
that it takes. I'd have to actually slow down. And I think mm -hmm. that stops a lot of people from wanting to bring on an assistant because you actually have to slow down and then train this person on document and lender, you know, policies and procedures where if they're just like adding names to a database and booking things in your calendar, they can just start day one with zero training. So right. it really helped free up the idea of bringing on an assistant too. Yeah. And you took it and applied it your own way. So you took this like, concepts and some of the things that we talk about and you just made it your own. And because it's your own, you are excited about it and it's working versus trying to find somebody else's recipe and being like, I'm going to follow, you know, somebody else's recipe, but it's not going to work for your business. It's not going to work for how you're wired, how you like to serve your clients. There's more than one way to do it for sure. So, well, and your journey is inevitably going to happen because there's only going to be so many hours in a day to do the discovery calls and the welcome calls and whatnot if business grows. So there is going to be a turning point where I think someone will have to assist with that. So I think we'll definitely get to that. And that's going to be a huge positive problem. Like I can't wait for that to be a problem where I you just, can't do them all. Just, you just can't, I just can't do, do them all. all. Yeah, right. But you'll have scripting down, your team will be trained. So you're kind of backing your way into the same place, but it doesn't matter. You'll still get there. So Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great way to say it. Yeah, coming at it from backwards to forwards. Okay, awesome. Well, Andrew, thank you for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Where can people find you online? Yeah, andrewthake.com or Google and that's it. Thanks, brother. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.